actually teach. I'm still teaching. And uh, uh, it's called, and I, how many read the, the title of the sermon out there for this morning? Uh, did you notice? Nobody did? Okay, then I'll tell you. Uh, it's called, God is no deadbeat dad. God is no deadbeat dad. You're, uh-oh. <laughs> there might be one or one and a half deadbeat dads here. But you know that the state of California uh, 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 really, really looks down on deadbeat dads. Terrible. Uh, I mean, wow, when you're not providing for your son. I had to deal with an individual one time who was in our home, and he, you know, they, they, they arrested him, and, and uh, then I talked to his probation officer, and, uh, you know, I said, man, he's in the home. He's doing great. He's assistant director. Man, come on. And they said, no. He says, Steve, you don't understand something, you know. He says, and I know who you are. I've, I've known, you know, because it was in my neighborhood, my area. He says, I know who you are. I know, you know, but we're not going to release this man. He's a deadbeat dad. He says, do you know that the state of California looks upon a deadbeat dad as an equal to a murderer? We deal with them just as, that's why they always have these, they're always arresting deadbeat dads. Because they don't provide for their families. He says, no, that's terrible. Why did they create somebody and then just throw them for a shine, not deal with them? He says, no, that's like murder. That's just like murder. When you don't take care of your children. Ooh, I can make an altar call now. <laughs> uh, but God is not a deadbeat dad. Uh, if you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you a rock. If you ask for a steak, he's not going to give you, you know, a coscoron. He's not going to give you a, a hammer. He's, he's going to take care of you. He's not a deadbeat dad. Father, let, let, let's look at John 10.10. Do 10. you have it? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his only, you know, focus and aim. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or overflowing or more what? Abundantly. That's going to be the theme of this, this month. Abundant living. Father, I pray for abundant living in Victory Outreach Hayward. We're zeroing in here, Lord God, upon our people. Lord, uh, I believe, Lord God, a life of redundance has been enough. We need abundance now, Lord God. We need a life, Lord God, that will be pleasing and an example to you. And we're talking about finances here, Jesus, by and large. Yes, in other areas of life stewardship, but Lord, finances. Lord, that we would be a people that would learn to put you first and to give unto you, Lord God, that you would give, Lord God. If we give with a spoon, you give with a shovel. We give with a shovel, you give with a bulldozer. That we would have people that would be owners, Lord God, of, of houses and cars and, and businesses, Jesus, in order to further your gospel, not our own uh, name, Lord God, not, not, you know, just ourselves to be selfish and to keep us from church, but keep us coming to church and putting you first in all ways and at all times. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, God wants us to dream big. Again, that'll probably be the theme of this month. Yes, we're going to be dealing with finances. And when it comes to dealing with finances, I already mentioned it, people dummy up. Don't dummy up this month. <clears throat> you got to come or you're going to end up a dummy. Uh, and I don't want you to be a dummy. Uh, I want you to be uh, an ex-mummy, hallelujah, uh, that had their grave clothes taken out and a man and a woman of God. Blessed! And this is going to be a, a month that you, you need to understand about blessings. And we're going to be explaining to you from God's Word. Now, in putting the sermon together, I ran across a, a little illustration about the Three Stooges. Do we have any Stooge fans here? <laughs> uh, yeah, the three, all right. Daniel, whatever. Okay, Dan, all right. And it really, you like the Three Stooges? All right. Well, and in one episode, actually in a number of episodes with these guys, you know, Larry, Moe, and Curly Joe, right? Larry, Moe, and Curly Joe. 
They're always messing around. You know, all that stuff. I didn't even know I had that in me. That took the power of God. Uh, somebody's praying. <laughs> and he'd go like that. And so he'd hit him upside the head and, you know, always messing around. Well, they're doing that in a room. And all of a sudden, this dignified individual walks into the room and he says, Gentlemen. He comes, you know, now gentlemen. And they're all, yeah, and they all look around. You know, all of them like, who's he talking to? Uh, because they look at themselves not as gentlemen. They're not gentlemen, not at all. They're saying, who's, who else is in the room with us? Uh, a lot of times, that's the way it is with God. He calls us Christians. He calls us mighty men of valor, as he did to Gideon. And we look around. He can't be talking. Because we have an identity crisis on who we are in God and who we are in Christ. I'm just another, you know, nobody. No, you're not. You're special and you're important to God. Gentlemen, hallelujah. Christian, mighty men of valor. And you need to respond when God tells us that. So, again, we're going to be dealing with here our identity throughout this, this month now. See, in John 10.10, 10, he says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. We've covered the word abundance. It means coming apart at the seams. Uh, that, that's what the word means in the Greek. It, it also means more than sufficient. It means uh, extraordinary. It means surplus. It means over and above. Uh, that's, what, that's what abundance means. Now, my question to us this morning is, are we living like that as Christians? Or are we barely making it? Are we over, do we have a surplus? Is we have over than, more than above coming apart at the seams? And we're going to be dealing with that with finances throughout this month. Uh, see, Jesus wants us to live abundantly in the spirit, in the soul, and in the body. That, that's what, you know, because we're all, we're all through, we're spirit, soul, and body. That's what a human being is. And that's what he wants us to to live abundantly in the spirit. He wants us to be intimate when it comes to spirit with him, with God, plugged in uh, to you know, a big time father. So he wants us to live abundantly when it comes to our spiritual life. To be plugged in with him, prayer, seeking his face, uh, plugged into a big time daddy who's not a deadbeat dad. Uh, then also when it comes to the soul, he wants us to, to live big time there as well. When it comes to peace of mind, to your emotions. That's what the soul is. He wants you to live abundantly when it comes to the emotions, when it comes to your mind. Have a strong mind in the things of God. Stability, super stability. Joy unspeakable and full of glory when it comes to emotions. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to just, you know, praise the Lord. No, praise the Savior. No, he wants you to do it, you know, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Praise the Lord. Ah. Then also when it comes to your body, your physical and your financial health your marriage, your family. He wants you to live above and beyond a surplus in those areas as well. Now, most people, okay, and today we're going to cover so many scriptures, you're going to be spinning. And I, by and large, I never do this. I just come, and I, especially on Sunday mornings. I, I come and I give you scripture, and then we turn one, two, three, four at the most, and by and large, you just sit there and follow me. Not today. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to be spinning when it comes to opening your Bibles here this morning. And you need to understand that. Now, most people would agree regarding, you know, abundance in all areas of our lives. But when it comes to finances, well, uh, you know, no, 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 no. Now we're, we're, we're getting greedy. We're getting vain. See, you don't mind living in abundance when it comes to the, to the spirit. You don't mind living in abundance when it comes to the emotions and the mind. But when it comes to finances, a lot of times we say, no, 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 now we're getting greedy. 
But he wants you to live even when finances over and above. Are you with me? But a lot of us, we don't think that because the enemy is a thief. He'd rather have us at the bottom of the barrel eating cheese and crackers. Crackle barrel. Cheese. Crackle barrel crackers. That's what he wants you. He wants you to think poverty. He wants you to think, you know, peon mentalities. Well, money's for them, but not for me. It's not true. See, Jesus wants us eating at his banqueting table. That's the sermon that I'm going to cover on Friday. That's why you need to be here. Even if you heard it before, you've got to be here. There's a sermon everybody should have once a year. Remember Mephibosheth? He, he was laying low and low to bar. And King David, when he took the throne, he says, Man, is there anybody that I can bless in the household of Saul? For Jonathan's sake. Not for Saul. But for his blood brother, Jonathan. And they find out, oh, there's a guy, Ziba, here, who's come back into the city. But he's not, he wasn't family. He was just a servant. Well, bring him here. And he asked him, is there anybody still left of the household of Saul? And you would know because you used to work for him. And Ziba all of a sudden says, well, yeah, there's Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, but he's laying low in Lodabar. And Lodabar was the farthest place north in, in the kingdom of Israel. Remember that? And, and, and so he says, well, summon him to me. Bring him to me. And then when they find Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth thought he'd been hiding because he was laying low in Lodabar. And then it says, they go up there to get him and say, the king wants to see you. So he comes before the king and he's all afraid. That's the way a lot of us are. Oh my God. God, he's going he's gonna to zonk me out. The king wants to see you. But what happens when he comes? The king gets up from the table and he walks over to Mephibosheth. He walks by Absalom. He walks by Solomon. He walks by all this beautiful Tamar. All these beautiful specimens of, of, of humanity. And he walks up to the, the guy that could, was no, you know, lame. Living a life of same old, lame old. Every day. And what did you tell him? Ah, uh, Mephibosheth, I want you to always eat at my banqueting table. The king wants to bless you. See, God wants you to be, a, to be blessed and be a blessing. But we need to understand that. Uh, now, Judges. Look at Judges chapter 6, please. Find your place there in Judges chapter 6. A lot of scripture that we're going to be covering today. Remember, the thief comes to kill and destroy. What does Psalms 23 say? Uh, he's going to feed us at the table in the presence of our enemies. See, even in the presence of our enemies, I already said that that was faithful. The presence of our enemies here. But God wants to prepare a table for us even in the presence of our enemies. Uh, so shall you ever eat at the king's table. And we need to understand that because God wants to bless us. See, you got to dream big. Dream to do big things. Moses, you know... Moses knew that he was going to be the deliverer. He knew that. See, God is not going to crush your dreams. God's going to add and enhance your dreams. Are you with me? Do you have Judges 6? When God enters your life, he does more, my friend. He comes in to, to enhance and to add to your dreams. Whenever God shows up in our lives, that's what he does. He, you know, he makes us reach for a higher and a bigger level in our lives. And we need to understand that. Mary, she was to be the mother of the Messiah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big dream. He says, Jesus tells the disciples, follow me and I want to make you fishers of men. That's a pretty big dream. Uh, to be a fisher of men. See, but the devil tries to steal our dreams of abundance. Uh, see, when people dream big within the house of God, within Christianity, 
We label them as proud. Oh, there's a proud guy. Look, he wants to be a pastor. Oh, he, look, look, look what he wants. Uh, and, and we mess with them. When, when some people do this, we label them. Brother, you've got pride. You know, you, you actually like yourself. <laughs> yeah, I do now. You should have seen me before. Uh, hey, if God likes me, what can I say? God likes me so much, He wants to spend eternity with me. I got to be pretty good. And you got to be pretty good. God likes you. Uh, he wants to spend eternity with you. So we can't be all that bad. See, Jesus said that all kinds of things about Himself. You know that? Christ said a lot of things. Do you still have Judges 6? I want to go back to it. But Christ Himself said, He says, I am that I am. He, didn't, you know, he, he knew who He was. I am the door. You know, I am the good shepherd. I, he said a lot of good things about himself. And he was, he, he was not proud. You know, I am God. He wasn't proud. He knew who he was. And we need to have that same kind of understanding about ourselves as well. Uh, he wasn't proud. Uh, let me ask you. Who does the Bible say was the most humble man on earth? Then he knows. Moses. You know who wrote that? Moses. Moses wrote it. Uh, he did it. He knew who he was. We, we had, that's why this series is going to be so important to us. You've got to know who you are in God. Uh, dream big. Think big. Accomplish big things. Don't just sit there and sulk at the bottom of the boat. Uh, see, Moses knew who he, he was. God didn't rebuke him for writing that. Oh, get that out of the Bible. Not at all. See, humility is being dependent on God. Pride is being independent of God. Did you hear me? Humility is being dependent upon God. I need God. Uh, but yet you know who you are. That's what humility is. Being humble. But being proud is being, you know, independent of God. Oh, I want to be okay. I'll be all right. I mean, every time before I get behind this pulpit, I know Pastor Sonny said it, but I feel the same way. Before I get here, I'm just like, man, I'm like, wow. You know, shh. God, you got to help me too. I mean, I got here this morning and I can't say, you know, some people said hi and I said hi. You know, I had to get, to my, I had to get in there and get, get in the presence of God because I'm dependent upon God. It's important. Very vital. Okay, Judges 6, verses 11 and 12. I didn't forget. Do you have it? The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak on the Oprah Winfrey show. That belonged to Joash the Abizurite. Where his son, who? Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. In other words, he was hiding that the Midianites wouldn't find it because the Midianites were controlling everything that the Jewish people did back in those days. They had to be in hiding and fear. There wasn't a lot of faith in those days. And that's why a lot of our neighborhoods are in the predicament they are today because there's not a lot of men of faith living in Dakota like there should be. Uh, there's not a lot of people on A Street with faith, but they're coming up. Uh, we're changing things around here. Uh, we have, you know, people of faith living in neighborhoods now. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. You mighty warrior. Uh, see, God came in and raised his dream. That's what God did to me when he found me in Santa Paula. I mean, talk about, you know, you know being insignificant. A little, little bitty city. Santa Paula. Where's that? Uh, I mean, I could have been like, oh, man, uh, you know, wow. How was I even born in this place? You know, wow. I see the news in Los Angeles. Oh, it's a big place. Here I am, this little guy. 
Nah, man, but when I got saved, you know, I said, hey, well, let's go. Let's go do it. What, what's it going to take? Now I travel around the world. Present a bullet. Where are you from, Cinnabella? Hayward. Uh, Hayward barely making over 100,000 people. Uh, mighty man of valor. See, Gideon was hiding. He was afraid. He was at the bottom of the boat eating cheese and crackers. See, Gideon pulls a three stooges. That's what he did. God comes in. He's on the threshing floor, threshing wheat, you know, hiding from the enemy. Mm. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, Gideon, you mighty men of valor. Is there somebody else in this place? Who are you talking to? Gentlemen. No, no, that ain't me. Yes, it's you. Mighty man, mighty woman of valor. Uh, I mean, who could that mighty man be? Certainly not him. Yes, it was, and yes, it is. See, the devil had stolen all the mighty dreams, all the big dreams of every person in Israel back in those days. And he still tries to do that, especially inner city people. He tries and, and, and steal who you are. You can never own a home. You talking to me, devil? <laughs> I like that one. You know the devil doesn't think you can own a home? That should get your chest up. That should get your... Oh, yeah. What must I do? Uh, look at Genesis 1.26. A lot of scripture, a lot of scripture here today. Genesis 126. We're going to be dealing with covenant. The covenant God has with us. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our what? Likeness. Key word. Likeness. We're made in the likeness of God. And you know what a good definition that I made up about likeness? Is this. We're made in the likeness of God, right? Well, what that means, in my definition, is if God likes it, then I like it. That's likeness. I mean, in likeness, if he likes it, I like it. You think God likes gold? Yeah! He's, the streets of heaven are going to be made out of it. Oh, brother, you're wearing too much gold. It's plated, but it's gold. Uh, if God likes it, then we should like it. And we need to understand that. But a lot of us, especially with the devils that are so down, so humble. Uh, oh, no, brother, you can't be wearing all that. What does a pastor's wife have on? Uh, she's not wearing a watch. She's wearing a clock. Uh, God likes gold. Heaven's made up of gold. When you get there, uh, do you think God likes precious jewels? The walls of, of heaven are going to be 260 feet high, and they're going to be made out of jasper. Mm, sure. So if God likes it, then we should like it. Are you with me? Uh, let me ask you. If you have the opportunity to go to any store and pick three articles of clothing, you know, no limit, would you go to Kmart? No. Where's Saks Fifth Avenue at? You should already know. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we don't. Uh, it's right there on Powell Street. Uh, I mean, some of us would be like, you know, going into Saks like, when's the blue light special? <laughs> We'd be all scared. 
Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, you, you, you would. You'd go to Saks and you'd pick the three, you know, Armani uh, and Giorgio or, you know, Jenny Jones or something like that. <laughs> New York or something. I don't know what the ladies, you know. Uh, you would. Why? Because that's your nature. Now, you probably don't have the money to do that, but, but if, if in your nature, I'm, I'm talking to your nature now. By nature, you'd like to go. You wouldn't want to go to Cayman. You'd like to go there. You just don't have the money yet. But your nature, because that's God's nature. We're made in the nature and the likeness and image of God. And that's God's nature. God wants the best. Why do you think I'm always saying nothing but the best for the best? And he wants the best for you too. Uh, sky's the limit. So we need to understand that. That is your nature. You, you, you have that nature. You do want the best. You do desire the best. And you need to understand that. Uh, now, do you think God put gold in heaven because he didn't like it? No. He didn't make heaven out of stucco and drywall. He didn't. Uh, look at Genesis chapter 3. We're dealing with covenant here. Genesis 3 now. We're dealing with covenant. And in God's covenant, it always involves... Blessings and lavishness. And we need to understand that. When God gives, He gives lavishly. He don't fool around. Genesis 3.15. Very, very famous portion of scripture. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That has to do with the Savior. That has to do with the new, the new covenant, okay? That has to do with Jesus' coming. He's talking about Jesus. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He's talking to the devil. I like when Jesus talks to the devil. Look at verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That has to do with the covenant. Matter of fact, that was a fur coat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, that's what it was. It was a fur coat. Look at chapter 12 of Genesis. Chapter 12. Stay with me. I told you we we're going to move fast in a lot of scripture. 12, chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 1, 2, and 3. The Lord said to Abraham. Now we're dealing with the Abrahamic covenant. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a what? A great nation. And I will what? And make your name, and you will be a... I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Uh, look at 13, verse 2. Abraham had become what? Had become what? Very wealthy in livestock, and in... And in... Gold. See, all these verses have to do with God's covenant with you and I. Uh, chapter 12 says we're going to have a great nation. Great nation is in, in, in the Hebrew, it means ethnos. It has to do with a group of people. Well, Victor, our time has come. We're a group of people. And we're a part of this blessing. We're a part of this covenant. Our time has come. Uh, I mean, I was in a location the other day and, you know, there's a brand new building and everything was looking nice. And I said, we can do that. A lot of people around because I like to, people like to be around when things are new. That's what we're going to do here too. It's going to get done. We, we need to, when people come in here, we'll be like, ooh, ah, the cedars of Lebanon. Or maybe we'll, we'll ship it over here. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but hey, nothing but the best for the best. That, that's what we want. We, we, little by little, we're doing that. It's going to get done. People will come in and say, ooh, have you been to Victory Outreach? You know, you're going to get over there. I want, I'm, I'm going to put the flags out there, real high, real big, big staffs. You know, poles and everybody. You know, like what I want them, when they're driving down tennis, I say, turn right right here. I want to show you something. What? Just, just, you just drive it. Just go over there. Just go over there. <laughs> what is that? Is that the, does the UN have a headquarters over here? 
No, but God does. Uh, God does. See, God is, and, and if you were going to be great, you know what that dealt with? It dealt with economy and military might. And, and he says, we're going to be great. It has to do with economy and military might. Prayer, hallelujah. The youth were praying over here real late last night. That's military might. Evangelize, that's military might. But it also has to do with economy. If you're going to be great, you've got to have a great economy. America's great right now because we have a great economy. But God's people have to be great. This church has to be great, but we have to have a great economy. Uh, see, blessings has to do, my friend, with finances. And we need to understand that. See, through God's covenant, we are to be blessed and then to be a blessing to others. But see, we're living in a day and age where few people understand the word covenant. Uh, see, we're not a very covenant-prone society. You know the marriage of the covenant? But after we've been married, you know, three hours, we want to hire 49 attorneys to get us out of the covenant. We don't know a lot about covenant. Uh, you know, uh, use wife, lot sale. You know? Yeah, you got to go to the flea market, the Victor Arts We're going to have another flea market next week, by the way. I forgot to announce that. We, we, we made almost $500 this flea market. And there's just a few people who contributed. Just a few people who contributed. And I'll go to the building front. But next week, we got to get, let's, let's, get, let's everybody get over here. Uh, and uh, plus next week, the, I heard the garage girls are going to be in town. Uh, the garage girls will call up and said, hey, we're going to handle it next week. Get out of the way. Here you go. That's their gift. But this is all for the building. So I, I pray that you would get involved and, and contribute and put yourself in blessings way. See, we're, you know, we're, again, we're living in, a, in, most of us people, when, you know, when if we, we get into a covenant, like I said, we want to hire all kinds of attorneys and lawyers to get out of the covenant. We have alimony and palimony and, and uh, you know, uh, marriage phonies and all that stuff. <laughs> a covenant meant that all I had belonged to you as well. I mean, everything that I have belongs to my wife and does it. I mean, that's, but that's a covenant. I'm not supposed to get all mad. Oh, don't touch me. No, no, get away from my pocketbook. No, everything I have belongs to her. That's a covenant. Everything God has belongs to us. Everything. He's not going to be, oh, get away from my pocket. Oh, everything he has is in covenant with us. And we need to understand that. Uh, and it also meant that your, his enemies or your enemies are his enemies. As I said, I'll set a table before you in the presence of mine enemies. So whatever our, our enemies are his enemies. And we need to understand that. And vice versa. Uh, so when God makes a covenant with us, uh, it means all that you know, is his. All of his resources are ours and, his, and our enemies are his. And, and we need to understand that. Finances are part of the covenant as well. Look at Exodus chapter 12. A lot of verses. Exodus chapter 12. Verses 35 through 36. Are we learning something? The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of what? Silver and gold of her clothing. And it was top of the line stuff too. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. And they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. Uh, see, God is, is into these things. And we need to look at Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Moving in real quickly here. Numbers 13. A lot of scripture. Verses 23, 27, 
And then 33. Numbers 13. Do you have it? Verse 23 says, When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. And it took two men to carry the one, one cluster of grapes. A land flowing with milk and honey. Look at verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land of which you sent us, and it does what? It does what? I'll wait till you get there. Flow. That's overflowing. And here is its fruit. Uh, and another overflowing has to do with abundance. See, God has called us into the promised land in the spirit in a land flowing with milk and honey, overflowing. See, so the rest of the people, you know, saw them, you know, look at verse 33 now, verse 33. This is the key verse. Do you have it? Numbers 13, verse 33. We saw the Nephthalim, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. See, the rest of the people saw them like they saw themselves. Uh, see, instead of seeing themselves like God, in God's likeness, and liking what God liked, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Uh, and we were creating the likeness and image of God. But now all of a sudden we're grasshoppers? No, that's, that's not true. That's not good. See yourself as always, my friend, you know, uh, 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 representing God. And uh, the way we see ourselves, we got to see ourselves according to how God sees us. And a lot of us, oh, I'm just another grasshopper. Uh, see, you need to renew your mind on who you are in God uh, as to how you think of, of yourself and how we think of ourselves. Now, how do we reach this point? Uh, by work, hard work, by giving, by planting, by faith. Doing and living uh, as God says. Doing what God wants us to do. Living according to God's word. See, God is no respecter of persons, but of principles. Listen, to, don't let me lose you right now. I'm trying to get you someplace. God is no respecter of persons, but a respecter of principles. If you don't give, then you're not going to get. It's a principle. You, it's a very, you need to understand that. But how do you see yourself? We need to see ourselves again as God sees us. Joshua and Caleb, they believed that God was well able to take them into the promised land. But the Bible says the other ten spies, of which we're covering here in Numbers, uh, they all had the grasshopper mentality. Satisfied with cheese and crackers and eating at the bottom of the boat. Come on. 2 Samuel 7, 9, having to do with part of our thing here. Says, I will make you a what? Great name. And I will provide... A place for my people. That's what God of provision. How should I? God's going to make us a great name, Victory Outreach, and we need to understand that. But great has to do with military might and economic might. So if we're going to be a great name, then it stands the reason we're also going to be a, an evangelistic church. We're also going to be an economical church. And we need to. Are you with me? Uh, that's what he's going to make our name great. Uh, matter of fact, one of David's offerings for the house of God, you know that, and I studied about this. Throughout the week, one offering, one offering that David gave in order for the house of God to be built was $700 million in our, in our time today, dealing with gold. If you, if you get all the gold and you weigh it out on how much it would be today, $700 million. One offering uh, from the father. But look at the son, Stephen. <laughs> Solomon. Uh, Solomon knew if you look at Proverbs 3, look what Solomon does. The son gave more, Stephen. Proverbs chapter 3. This is Solomon. 
See, David was able to do this because his heart was right with God. When your heart is right with God, God's going to bless you big time. But you've got to have a right motive when it comes to finances. Don't want to hoard it for yourself, but take care of God's business. Be about your father's business. Do you have Proverbs 3? 1 and 2 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. That's the key. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you what? Prosperity. Look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Stewardship. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. That's abundance. Filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Ah. See, you have to plant in order to give. I mean, if you, how many want friends? The Bible says you have to prove yourself friendly. In Proverbs, Proverbs tells us that. Well, if you want money, you got to plant money. If you want love, you got to plant love. Doesn't understand the reason? How many want money? Come on. I mean, if I was to go to a bar and ask somebody, you want money? Everybody say, yeah, bro. And we come to church real humble. Really? If I was to go to a bar, I'd tell you, every drunk would say, oh, yeah, bro. Hey, minister, come on. Uh, preach it. But I asked you, that's not humility. Tell the truth. <laughs> that's what we're covering this month. Hey, I'm telling you, after this month, hey, those of you that get a hold of what we're going to bring out here, you're going to be blessed, and you will be a blessing. Because that's God's covenant with us. Uh, now, let me end by looking at the life of Jesus, and I'm going to close. Uh, I said Friday that Mary and Joseph were not poor. When they went looking for a house, uh, remember Jesus was born in a manger, right? But they had money. Uh, Joseph was a businessman. He went knocking on doors because he had the money to pay for the, for the room. He had finances. Jesus wasn't brought up poor. Uh, not at all. Joseph was a businessman. He was looking for a house. See, God is into doing things abundantly and lavishly. Let me read to you Matthew 2.11. You don't got to turn to it, but I'll read it to you. A lot of verse here today, but I want to read it to you. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. I was going to skip this, but it's important here that I read it out to you. Okay, it says there, On coming to the house, this is dealing with the, the, the three wise men, the, the three kings. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Now, this is two years after Jesus was born. Where did Jesus have? Where did they enter into? Was it a manger? What does it say? A house. The guy had a house. How many went to own houses? Well, he had a house. You had a house. Uh, nothing wrong with owning a house. Matter of fact, there's a lot of right to owning a house. Uh, they went into the house. And what does he do? They bring him all these kinds of, of gifts. Precious gifts. These guys traveled far. See, Joseph and Mary would need money because they were going to go to Egypt for two years. So they needed some money in order to survive. So these wise men come and they bring him myrrh and perfume and precious gifts and gold. Uh, because they were going to be, you know, they were going to be gone for, for a couple of years. How about the first miracle Jesus ever did? Turn water into what? Wine, but not the, dry, not the kind of wine that's going to, you know, unfermented wine, but a good wine. You know how much, how many, 180 gallons that he made, that he turned into. That's lavishness. It was the best wine. It wasn't just a rinky-dink, you know, Tokay all the way. No, it was the best wine. Because he always makes the best. How about the loaves, the, uh, the five fish and the two loaves of bread? Uh, the little boy, remember that? 
And when did God do? He turned it into a lavishness. They had how many? Twelve baskets left over. So I can imagine the boy gets home at, at, you know, at night and mom says, did you eat your lunch? <laughs> Gave it away, mom. You did? Oh, yeah. Mijo, what have I told you? Mom, I, it's my nature to give. Matter of fact, mom, come on outside. Check this out, mom. I got 12 baskets full. He reaped a business. I can imagine the next day there he was out there with us, you know, computer and stuff and just waiting, you know, you know, two pieces of fish, two pieces of bread, two denarii. Uh, he became a businessman. Uh, he reaped a business. And we need to understand that. See, God is a God of abundance. It all boils down to where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you like fishing, I'll check out your checkbook. A lot of your checks have to do with fishing gear and stuff, all that stuff. If you're a hunter, uh, check out what your, you know, where your treasure is and where you're going to be also. If you like God, let me check out your checkbook. Uh, that's where your heart's going to be as well. That's where your checkbook's going to be. Uh, and we need to understand that. If our heart is on God, so will your finances be. That God is a God of blessings. Philippians 4.15, as I get close to closing. I've got to move fast here. Philippians 4, beginning of verse 15. Here's my last verse. But this is very important. It's part of the Messianic covenant. We covered Adamic covenant. We covered Abrahamic covenant. We covered the Davidic covenant. Now we're covering and we're ending with the Messianic covenant. Christ's covenant. Verse 15 of Philippians 4 says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of what? Giving in What? Receiving, not just giving, but getting, except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again, and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more, abundance, even more. I am amply, abundance, amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, it's important to understand, before I finish covering this verse, that God has a mansion up in heaven for us. Uh, we need to understand that. It's not a condo. It's a mansion. The Bible says, and I already quoted to you in Revelations, that the walls of the city are going to be made out of jasper, You know, the so-and-so estates, waterfalls. Now, if the walls are nice, you think the, house, the houses are going to be made out of pavement and plaster? No. And that's what God's telling us about heaven. He tells us how the walls are going to look. He tells us the streets are going to be paved out of gold. You think the houses are going to be made out of stucco? No, he's giving you a hint. He's messing with you. <laughs> look what the walls are. 260 feet high. That means it's important. Uh, pavement made out of gold man I mean the houses are always nicer and according to Philippians 4 God blesses uh, and he takes care of those who first give to him you can't get to verse 19 unless you go through verses 15 through 18 that's the premise that's the principle before you get to the promise that's why Jacob excuse me why Joshua and Caleb got to the promised land because they took care of faith 
But the other ones couldn't because they, didn't, they had to eat quail and manna because they couldn't get to the promised land. They didn't get to verse 19 because they couldn't go through verses 15 through 18. Uh, see, God is in to abundance. But a lot of us, we don't understand that. You know what the difference is between a Christian tither and a Christian non-tither? I'm going to close with this, but, but I need to give you the, the definition. A Christian non-tither owns his money. But only his money. And he or she, all they can accomplish is only with the things that they have. But a Christian tither is a steward. He has everything he has and everything a steward has. A Christian non-tither only has what he owns. That's it. That's, that's all he can utilize his resources. But a Christian tither has his and his master's. Ah, the MasterCard. Don't leave home without it. Ah, we, we need to understand that. That's why Paul says, my God shall supply. See, God, he said, my God, because he was in covenant with God. Like when you're in covenant with God, you don't got to worry. Really, you might have a lot of bills, but God will give you the money to pay up. My God! Because I'm in covenant with God. Shall supply all my needs. Uh, you got to go through the principle before you get to the promise. See, God is into abundance. He's our Father. He is not a deadbeat dad. Uh, he wants the best for us. Are you with me? He's going to take care of us. He, he doesn't want to... I mean, if, if man gives a reputation, a bad reputation to a deadbeat dad, you think God wants to have that reputation? No. That's why God's going to bless you. That's why God wants to bless us corporately as well. So we can project and, and promote to the, to the community, to the people. Look what God is able to do. Yes, God gave us this building and more. Uh, overflowing. But he wants to do the same in your life. But you can't get to my God shall supply unless you go through. Look at verse 17. I close. Really, you've got to see verse 17. This is the most important verse. Watch. I'm going to show you. Look at verse 417. I almost didn't say that. Oh, no. Ooh, here we go. Such a very important verse. Do you have it? Philippians 4.17. Not that I want you to give. What did I say when I picked up the Not that we're trying to con you out of your money. Paul says, I'm not trying to con you out of your money. Not that I want you just to give the gift. No. But I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. See, because when you give, you're putting yourself in blessings way. See, I'm not trying to yank the money from you. He says, no, I'm trying to make this as a credit to your account. When you give, it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. A life of abundance. See, God's nature is abundance. Abundance. And he, you have His nature too. You do want to shop at Saks. Wouldn't it be great to run into each other at Saks? I want to buy some slacks at Saks. Ah. Uh, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Finances, abundance. That's the nature of God. Abundance, abundance, abundance. Overflowing, the land overflowing with milk and honey. Joshua and Caleb had that faith. We can all have that faith today to enter the promised land. You don't got to settle for quail and manna all the time. Kmart and McFrugal's. No, you don't. Every head is about an eye close. Spirit of God moving and ministering. God wants the best for you individually. He wants the best for us corporately. But I'm talking to you individually. I feel the Spirit of God moving. Ooh, kalalala sanda.
I said before, if it was a message on going through trials and if you're going through it, it really ministers. But right now, some of you, God's zeroing in. He wants you to be a, a powerful giver because He wants to powerfully bless your life. Mighty man of valor, dream big. Don't be like the three stooges. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. He wants the best for you. David gave a big offering, but the richest man that ever lived on this planet was his son, Solomon. He was the richest man that ever lived. God's going to raise up our spiritual children to be not only rich in faith, but because of rich in faith and finances as well. It's not a taboo subject, people. God doesn't want to just heal you. He wants to bless you, that you would be a blessing. It's a covenant. There's some of you here that you haven't been in covenant with God like you should. If that's you here this morning, you want to get renew your mind on who you are, not a grasshopper, but a child of the Most High God. If that's you, I want to ask you very quickly, right there where you're at, to stand to your feet. God, minister to your life. You want to renew your mentality in the covenant of God and the kingdom of God. Is there head of Sabbath and every act close, to God, moving to ministry. I said, Brother, see, the sermon was for me. Right up my freeway, paved with gold. Right up to my heart. If that's you, I'm going to ask you very quickly from all this place. Just stand to your feet right there where you're at. I want to say a prayer for you.